All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown, and today we have the return of Mr. Steve Cashin here to talk about the, uh, the MLB lockout. Then we'll get into some NHL stuff after that. And then, so the way we're recording this today, Steve and I are doing this in the morning. CJ and I are going to do this a few hours from now and continue the pod uh, and go into NFL stuff, more NHL uh, to branch off of this. And uh, so that's what the outlook of the pod is going to be like today. So, Steve, man, it's been a while, and, you know, we haven't done Strictly Baseball in a while. Uh, key reason being that we kind of thought this whole time, wait, why are we going to start up this podcast, do these top 10 position pods, uh, you know, project free agency when we didn't even know it was coming? And this lockout's been way too – everyone knows it's been way too long. It's, it's March 9th. Spring training should have started three weeks ago, and we're still in this whole thing. So – as we're recording this at 11.07 a.m., because these things that could change at any minute, today is the deadline day, the third deadline day, by the way. So, you know, mm -hmm. deadlines don't matter to, to me. They just say it's a deadline. <laughs> uh, so we're hearing today might be the day and that CBT stuff, it's been negotiated. That stuff, I'm not going to dive into as much. You can go to John Boy and Talking Baseball. They know that stuff. I, don't, I couldn't care less about what number they agreed to doesn't impact me but what i care about is the rules changes and when they're coming back and so right now all they're tied up on supposedly is that major league baseball they want an international draft the players are currently discussing it saying is this best for us blah 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 so i guess we could start there steve what are your overall thoughts on this whole lockout in general we'll start there uh it's been lethargic uh, i guess would be the best word for it uh you know you wake up every day hoping for a deal to be reached. You know, I think it was last week we were kind of teased with a, a Twitter storm of, you know, yeah, Jeff Passan uh, and all these guys that were coming out saying, hey, they're meeting at the 11th hour. It was approaching 1 a.m. And they're like, we might have a deal in the next hour. You wake up and the players reject the deal. So it's been kind of up and down. Um, it's been frustrating as a baseball fan, um, lifelong baseball fan. And think about if you're, you know, the average fan that just picked it up a couple years ago baseball has been you know generating this this momentum with the younger generations and even going back to the COVID year when it was a shortened season fans were getting into it because wow it's 60 games we sprinted to the finish and then last year you had a great you had a great postseason one of the best postseasons I've watched in a long time yep. and the, the Braves end up being champions first time in forever in their team history um, and now you're stuck with no games being played and right now we should be in the stands watching spring training getting ready to start here in a month um but now we're we're just kind of doing the logistics and it's frustrating as a fan because you want to see them out in the field and it just it's annoying because the owners make a ton of money the players make a ton of money and the fact that they can't compromise to grow their sport it's only hurting them in the long run you look at other leagues the uh nhl NBA, they've had lockout, lockout negotiations before, and they come to result because they know it's great for the game, great for the players if they get a deal reached. So, um, you know, hoping for the best in the next couple days, if not today, um, that they get a deal reached and we can start playing spring training games the next week or two. No, absolutely. And, and you bring up players have a ton of money, owners have a ton of money. And so a lot of people are saying this is, you know, just millionaires and billionaires battling back and forth with each other but at the same time you know i, I 
I see what the players are saying because there are legitimate service time manipulations that have been going on for years. Uh, you know, these teams, Chris Bryant's the one that everyone uses. They waited mm-hmm. three weeks into that regular season. They call them up. They get an extra year of service time. It's not the spirit of the rule. And so what Major League Baseball has been saying back to the players is, hey, you agreed to that five years ago. That's not our problem. And so, But then the players are like, well, we, we agreed to it maybe. We didn't think you would manipulate it like this. And so that's where it's been coming from is that, you know, they felt like the owners were trying to take advantage of them. They did it again in the 2020 negotiations. So it's been a long brewing kind of conflict with those two sides. But at the same time, I've seen players go out on Twitter saying, I've had to work a second job. You know, I don't get my paychecks on time, blah, blah, blah. I have to live here, blah, blah. You know, so some player, it's not all players that are rich, but the, you know, Max Scherzer pulling up in a Porsche to these, it's not a good look. So, but at the same time, then you got the owners, Randy Levine yesterday, uh, the Yankee president goes on air, first owner, you know, guy to speak out. And he goes, you know, we don't have as much money as, as you think, you know, COVID really hit us hard. And then later that day, baseball agrees to a streaming rights deal with Apple TV plus. Don't tell me you don't have the money. You've got the money. And, and the whole thing about the CBT about, Oh, you know, we got to come to this number, blah, blah, blah. 25 of the 30 teams are never going to come close to that number. So the Mm -hmm. fact that it's so argued on it's because owners like the pirates, the Orioles, the diamondbacks, somehow they're given this room to have the power when they've been leeching off the good teams for a number of years and some, and they, and they're sitting there like, we don't want Steve Cohen breaking the bank. Of course you don't because you're terrible. So it, it comes to the point to me where it's like, if you don't think you can compete, sell the team or fold it. Exactly. I completely agree. It's you, you look at all these owners in sports and the other day, I think it was 25 out of the 30 teams had agreed, had come to an agreement to move forward forward and let's try to make a deal happen and one of them being the Rays had agreed to to move forward and that's one of the least profitable teams or the smaller payroll teams in the league and they're a team that's going hey let's get on the field we need to start playing games and then you have owners that are going no I don't really don't want to play right now I want what's best for my interest not the players and you're kind of seeing that on the commissioner side too Manfred he's if you want to grow the game you kind of put your foot in the ground and go you know what both sides need to come together and make a deal and like you mentioned, it's a great point. If you if your best interest isn't in the players and your fans and to, to grow the game of baseball, then sell the team and move forward. And I've always been a big believer in that. Being a Rays fan, I say Stu Sternberg doesn't have the best interest of winning on the field. It's all about himself, his personality. I just want what's best for me, and I don't care what else happens around me. And so you saw what happened with Jeter with, with the Marlins. He At least he owned up to it and said, you know what, I did what I could. And right now, it's not the best interest for myself and the team and everyone else around me, my stakeholders, to hold on to this organization. I'm going to sell it and move forward and move on because it's, it was stagnant for that for them down there in South Florida. So I completely agree. The owners, I think it's a lot of you know self greed um, that comes from it, and you're seeing the true colors of of both sides um, really in the CBA agreement. And it's frustrating for players that that don't make a ton of money that they're in the minors looking for that next big deal. And right now it's, it's only hurting them. You had COVID two years ago. Now you have this lockout situation. So guys that are trying to hitch their stride in the game of baseball and trying to make it to that next step and make it to the league and get that big contract. 
they're the ones that are hurt at the end of the day. So it, it's really frustrating and sad because, you know, the game of baseball is just – it affects so many people um, deeply, and it's a long season, and now we're threatened with, with shortened seasons. And are they when are they going to step on the field? Yeah, you know, and, and you bring up the younger players again about how some of them don't make that money. And then you have a guy like Randy Levine. He goes on air and says, hey, wait a second. If you give money to the younger players, what happens to the older players? And so he's trying to act like they're, that they really do have the best interest of the players by saying, hey, you might not want to make that decision because the vets are going to be screwed. They don't really feel that, man. Like they, they, they are just trying to get what's best for them. And, and really, it's great posturing because it, it looks like he's trying to say, hey, I want the vets to be paid too. I'm Mr. Fair Guy over here, Mr. New York Yankees president. But, you know, some of this stuff, man, like, I don't know, like, you know, the money, the, the, the stuff that's involved financially, I just don't pay attention to it. You know, you see Jeff Passan going out on ESPN and it's like, you know, baseball offered 238, uh, you know, union wants 272. And it's like, in your head, you're like, why can't you go to 250? And, and it's, mm -hmm. it's taken this long to get to a number in the middle. Maybe the CBT has been solved again. I'm going to keep checking Twitter as we keep talking about this. But yeah, I think we've covered like the, the conflict side of it and what we feel about that. But there are some rule changes that have already mm -hmm. been confirmed. And, and, so, and I think almost all of these are going to radically change and improve the game. So let's start with the, uh, with the pitch clock. This is something that... And actually, we'll start with the bases first because it's a very tiny thing. I don't know if you saw the picture yesterday. I'll send it to you if you haven't, uh, of the difference in the size of the base. So they're adjusting that, not for 20. All of these rule changes will be for 2023. Basically, the base was smaller, obviously. Now they made it bigger, width and length, and it's also angled on the tops and the sides, they say, so the players don't jam their wrists or, or twist their ankle on the base. I talked to my brother about it. He said players will still find a way to do those things. Like it's never going to prevent it. Uh, but what do you think about the bases? It's, it's minuscule. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, you're never going to have any giveaway on those bases when you're around the corners, you're, you're trying to stretch a single into a double and you roll your ankle. It, 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 it is what it is, or you're diving back to the base. That base has no giveaway. So you can angle it, try to make it bigger, smaller, however you want to maybe try to, you know, when you're sliding in, hit the top of the bag, but, in the heat of the moment, you're going to get picked off at first base. You're going to slide back as hard as you can to get back and not get thrown out at first. Right. So it, nothing's going to change there. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I haven't really seen a picture of it yet, no, so no, no. It, it'll be odd. But uh, I, I don't think it'll change much um, in, in the grand scheme of things. Who knows? We'll see once it uh, gets put into play. But I don't see how that it'll, it'll affect. Because when you're playing that game full speed, you're not really thinking about what angle you're going to that base. You're, you're just thinking about how can I stretch my singles and doubles? How do, can I get to that base safely in that regard? Yeah, and, and they're saying supposedly that it will create more safe runners because the base is bigger, uh, which, you know, will create offense. But again, it's such a minuscule thing. It's like, it, that's why, like, I don't have a problem with it. If you're going to do it and you claim it's going to do these things, then Holy why cow. not? Yeah, that yeah is, that is, that's huge. Yeah. Wow. I guess. I mean, I, that to me, I guess you can like you, if you're running to first base, you can take the angle in outside, and maybe even if you wanted to slide outside and get to that edge, that outer edge, you might have a an advantage there. But wow, that's almost like double the size of of the the normal bag. Yeah, it's almost it's approaching softball to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. No, it's 
It's interesting. I mean, again, like I just said, I mean, if, if it actually does the things that it claims, then I, who would have a problem with more offense, less injury. So I'm fine with it. You know, I don't look at a baseball game and look at the bases on TV or go to the stadium and stare at the bases and say, this is a sacred part of baseball. Like it can change. Same thing with the pitch clock. And this is something that huge. Yeah. Like a lot of people, you know, traditional people justifiably. So, I mean, you know, we talked to Adiel in the chat. He says, you know, it kind of takes away the gamesmanship, blah, blah, blah. To me, that's fair. It's, it's a very fair point because baseball is the only sport that's not timed. You're completely changing that. But at the same time, I mean, my brother played baseball. He cannot sit down for a game, even three innings at a time, because it's mm -hmm. just you're sitting there. These players take forever in between. You can go and text people, watch a YouTube video, do what you're doing in between pitches, and you miss two pitches. And so the rule is, so far, not nobody on base 14 seconds, people on base 19, and even 14. That's really going to be like 11 or 12. These guys aren't going to push it to second. Maybe some of the vets. I don't think some of these guys are going to be pushing it to 13, 14. Plus, you'll have that hard umpire that on second 13.7, he'll be like ball. So, you know, you got that too. But to me, this is just better for younger people. It's better for me. I don't want to be sitting there from 7 to 10 every night watching baseball. The NHL is 7 to 9.30 in regulation mm -hmm. game. That's perfect. I, I love that time. And that's what it used to be like in the 70s, 80s, 90s. So what do you think about this? It's huge. I think it's, you know, hats off. It's a great rule change because I've been a big believer in how do you speed the game up without changing the physical game itself? You're never going to change baseball, but you can do little things like that to increase the tempo of the game. That's what they're trying to do here. It's if you're a pitcher and you can't figure out what pitch to throw in 20 to 30 seconds, you shouldn't be out there, especially as at the major league level. And yeah. they've been doing it at the minor league level for a long time. I'll go to the Tampa Tarpons games up the street and they have that 30 second pitch clock and guys get the baseball back and they're throwing that pitch within 20 seconds. They're not even getting close to that, that timer. So I think it's huge for the tempo because like you mentioned, a baseball game back in the day was played in two, two and a half hours. And you'll get a, an occasional game now here and there where you'll get two hours and change and, and you're done. You're like, wow, that was a great baseball game. And you're not taking away the offense or defense of the game. It's just, you don't want to sit there and watch a pitcher come in relief and go get the baseball, step off the mound, look into the catcher, mound meeting, step off, throwing a pitch, getting the ball back. And now you're taking two pitches. It's been five minutes and you're like, okay, this half inning could be 45 minutes to an hour. Right. And you're sitting there going like, what the hell? So yeah, like you're, I like completely agree. Us, with you. Yeah, like for us as hardcore baseball fit, we'll sit there and be like, "I'll leg it out." But in your head, it's like, "Can this just go faster?" Like it's it's hard to do it when you watch the whole season. Postseason, fine. You watch mm -hmm. the regular season. You're you're every night, and it's just like we're in Baltimore right now. I, I would like this game to wrap up, type thing. Yeah, and I've watched too many Red Sox Yankees games where those dur the duration of the game is you're going on four and a half five hours on a Sunday night, and I'm like. This is a great rivalry, but I had to turn this off because I can't watch a three-hour six to the ninth inning, and <laughs> it's brutal for me to – you can't gauge the tempo, and you want the game to be played at a, at a, at a high pace, at a high clip, and you watch the NHL. Uh, a regulation game, even if it goes to a three-on-three -three overtime, it's over within two and a half hours max. Yeah, Playoffs, like different story if you get overtime. Yeah. But yeah. The, the tempo is there. You're, 
you can sit down at seven o'clock and you're done quarter past nine and you're out your home and you can go turn on another game. So hats off to MLB for proposing this rule and they'll implement it. Thank God, because they really need to find a way. And that it starts with the pitchers because they, they are in complete control of the game. No one else, but them, they have the baseball. They're the ones that are implementing how the game's dictated. So I love the rule change. I'm all for it. I mean, listen, like I, I never pitched anywhere, but little league one time <laughs> I was doing it myself though. The other day I got up, I got in the stretch and I was like, okay, if I had 14 seconds, you know, you go up, put the glove. It's like, I was thinking in my head, it's like, I even gave it, I, I was generous. So I was like, okay, mm -hmm. four seconds, stare at the catcher, go back up two seconds, you know, get set, go down, you know, get set again. I did it like two times. You mm -hmm. have plenty of time in 14 yeah. and you pitched in high school. It's plenty of time. Yeah. And once in, in, in my mindset, it's like, I don't want to be sitting there looking at the catcher deciphering what pitch I want to throw. It almost helps you as a pitcher to keep your tempo in line. You get the baseball back, you get the sign, you come back. Once you come set, timer's done once you come set and you're ready to go you're locked in so you shouldn't be deciphering what pitch you want to throw for 20 seconds plus because you, you're going to screw yourself up and it gives the hitter more advantage hey what's he going to throw here i can kind of pinpoint what what he's kind of thinking so it's more than it's more than enough time and, and guys are going to complain they're like oh it's going to mess up my my mentality going to approach a hitter it's like no you just have been granted so much time in the past yeah you got to make the adjustment. And that's the thing with players in the, in the league. You have to make adjustments, either adapt or die. If you don't adapt, you're going to get left in the dust and people are just going to keep moving on. And you're just going to become that guy that's, you know, trying to inhibit the growth of the game. So I, I'm exactly. all for it. I love it. And I can't wait for it to be, um, you know, officially implemented in the game. And you said 23, correct? Uh, that they're putting these rule changes in? Yeah, yeah, for 23. Okay, so yeah. we'll have to endure one more year, and then we'll – But we'll you know what? Right. Like, I, I'm kind of – I thought about it in my head. I'm like, you know, I, I would like one more season just to say goodbye yeah. to this type of baseball. I mean, it'll never come back. So it, it's kind of like the, you know, pitchers hit for one more year. You got that, like, closure in the world. So, oh, this is the last mm -hmm. time we're ever going to see a pitcher get a hit. And so, you know – And mentally – Mentally, too, you can get guys ready as a, as a pitching coach. You're like, hey, let's start getting ready for this, this rule change. It's not going to be official, but, hey, let's start getting our tempo up that way. So when it, is, when it does come into effect that you're ready, there's no, oh, like, this is, this is so foreign to me. So I think this year, guy, you'll see guys in the tempo start to pick up, even though it hasn't been officially put into place. Yeah, and like you said, they're, they're, the minor leaguers will be fine. They, they're already doing this so that they're already conditioned. And college games, if you're, you know, they don't have a pitch clock, they're fat. I mean, we did the mm -hmm. games together. They're all two and a half hours, even if yep. it's a high scoring game. So, and, the, and I was thinking about that too, from a broadcasting standpoint, that if you've got this 14 pitch clock with no one on base, you're going to have the announcer go the O one taken for a strike. And let's say you have one color guy, he's got 10 seconds to talk about the pitch. Whereas before it's like a pitch comes in, they're like, yeah, you know, Michael, I, you know, I had my uh, day at the park yesterday and uh, got a nice coffee at the blah, blah, blah. That goes away, too. So even mm -hmm. from a viewing standpoint, it's like pitch comes in. Yeah, that pitch was just off the plate. Nice take there by the hitter. You see that, blah, 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 next pitch. And that that's even better from a viewing standpoint, too. Yeah, well, it's huge because it's more concise. I've watched so many Joe Buck games on Fox, and he they're just 
blabbling on and on and on. You're like, I just want to watch the game. It's almost nice to watch a baseball game on TV. And the best is silence. And when the color guy just analyzes the at bat, you don't need to analyze every single pitch. I can see it with my own eyes. I know where that was. I know the location, what the hitter's doing, what the pitcher's doing. Now it gives the opportunity for the color guy and the, and the announcers to kind of sit back, watch the game themselves and kind of analyze it at a deeper level. You know what I'm saying? You right. go, okay, that, that, at bat was great. Now you break it down. You break down that, that pitch sequence after the at bat's done. So you don't have baseball is not one of those. You have to nitpick every little thing because it's a three hour duration and so much goes on in a nine inning game that yeah. that one slider off the plate isn't going to impact <laughs> the rest of the, right. the, the 27 outs. So um, I completely agree there. So I just, I'm going through Twitter, like I said, for updates, this is a big day. So Maria Torres, uh, she is a MLB prospects writer for the athletic. She tweeted out in MLB's current proposal for an international draft. The top pick in a 20 round draft would receive five and a half million dollars, which is up from 5.25. So that's minuscule. They always do that. The minuscule rate, that means nothing. Um, mm -hmm. And then it says comparable to 21 slot value for the seventh pick. And I don't know what that means. So basically they're proposing a slight tick up in that. Uh, now I'm reading. Yeah, this, this looks optimistic. I mean, it looked optimistic last week, too. So now Bob Nightingale uh, tweeted out, if an agreement is reached today, the tentative plan is for opening day to be April 6th, 7th, when the regular season extended by three days. The other missed games from the week-long delay would be made up in double headers during the season. So they're not even pushing it back two weeks. Um, and, yeah, so other than that, yeah, basically – they're saying that the, the big remaining obstacle is to, to reach a deal today is the international draft. So that really might mean that this CBT will offer 240, will we'll offer you 219 back. That might be over. So hopefully it is, and it's up to this draft. That doesn't seem like that too difficult of a thing to, uh, to, to figure out. Yeah, I mean, with international draft picks, you mean half the time you know, players get signed through free agent deals. So I feel like this is a this a minuscule. It's not. It's a small obstacle to to overcome here. And if this is the last stake uh, that they have to figure out, then I'm optimistic a deal could be struck today by by tonight, if not tomorrow yeah. morning. So um, hopefully they can come to an agreement. It looks like I'm I'm looking at Twitter right now. Um, and I, I'm seeing the, the 20 round draft in 5.5 million. So, you know, I think they're kind of an agreement there. There's not a big, there's not a big hurdle up or down. Um, so hopefully we, we can, we can get this rolling because hey, uh -huh, we're, we're missing baseball bad and yeah. we just really need to get this done. No, absolutely. It, it's, it's absolutely true. And uh, you know, we hope it happens, but you know, as far as the draft goes, there are, you know, there are big implications to it mm -hmm. being put in place because you have the whole system with the posting fees and you have the international slot money that of course the bigger teams take advantage of because mm -hmm. they have more of it. And so now if they're in an actual draft, anyone can get these studs from the Dominican and all these countries. Mm -hmm. So that's a big deal. But do you think it will negatively impact the college player that's 22 years old you know, that, that, that might be if it maybe college players start leaving at 2021. 20, yeah, it, it could be, uh, it's an interesting dynamic there because like you said, now you have international draft. Now you have college guys that are going, Hey, well, you know, these international players can be picked up in the same draft that, that we're considered in at 17 years old. Exactly. And so 
the sophomore junior that's in college maybe going, hey, I, I need to get out of here because I want to get picked up because you're going to have this international draft pool and there's a ton of kids out there and they, and they get picked left and right free agent deals. I mean, so I think it, it, it poses a, it poses a dynamic in the college collegiate level um, that kids will have to start thinking about, but I don't think it'll, it'll shape shift it too much because yeah. most guys go through four years of college and they treat it as their minor league system and guys that right. go for fifth year grad in college, they've had so much experience hitting against ACC, SEC pitching that by the time they're done with that fourth year, scouts are like, this kid's legit. It won't really affect their draft stock too much. It'll right. be more for the, the middle of the road average college player that has aspirations to go and can get picked. That'll get kind of stumped by this international drafting process. Yeah, no, I agree there too. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, I look at it too with, with the college players and I say, at the same time, like I've seen the Yankees do it. They draft these seniors 22 and they still want them to go through the minor leagues and hit every level. Like that's the, the Yankee way. And that's why judge he was in college. He was 25 when he came up. So now if they, if they put this free agent number in, which we've heard thrown around that you're 28, no, they're going to call you up at 22, 23 without having to put you through single a double a, they want that full service time. Cause it'll still be six years. And that's why they wait till you're 25. Then they'll have you till you're 31. They don't care. So uh, that, that would force college players, like in every other sport, they get drafted and then they hit the league instead of having to go through every level. So hopefully that changes as well if that deal's in place. Uh, the other thing we haven't talked about, though, the shift. It's finally being banned. Uh, Steve's putting up a fist uh, in appreciation because uh, this isn't going on YouTube for the podcast people, but Man, I mean, this this was a long time coming. Uh, and again, I'm not dogging on the Rays, but that you know they started this. They didn't. I, they did not think that this was going to take off when they started that. That you know, they're a team that prides themselves on doing the research and digging deep and finding different ways to win. And they found a great way to win within the rules. And then everyone was like, "Hey, that works. We're going to do it too." But then it escalated, escalated, escalated to where this year you saw five outfielders. You saw four guys on the right side of the infield. And at that point, it's just so hokey. And for all the people, and I'm just going to say this in voice, I've, I've tweeted it out on Twitter. I am so tired of seeing the people all over the comment section saying, why don't they just go the other way? And it's like, you got guys throwing 94 mile per hour sliders now. That It's just not inside the way it's going to be. They're jamming you inside. Right. So you can't take it the other way. Right. And right. So they're pitching to your swing. The only option you have is to go the, that way. And so it had to change. You know, it, it, the fact that Joey Gallo was one of the guys that spoke up about it, maybe he should have quieted down a little bit because, <laughs> you know, those 230 strikeouts aren't going to be hits either. Uh, but, you know, Freddie Freeman came out against it, though. He's like, hey, I I'm not getting doubles to left center field. I'm not getting doubles in the gap. And he's still a 300 hitter. Maybe he's a 320 hitter now. And so I think we're going to be seeing less 205s. Maybe there'll be 225s now, kind of like it used to be to where 230, if you were 230 or under, even five years ago, it was like, eh, I don't like that. Now you can hit 210 with a 310 on base and everyone will be like, yes, that's great. And so hopefully that just goes away. Yeah, I love this rule change because I hate the shift. I've always hated it. The Rays, when they implemented it, I've seen them get burnt so many times. 
on four guys on the left side or right side, and a guy hits a little dinky nub shot the other way, and it gets to the infield because there's absolutely nobody there. I've seen two per, two no-hitters, a perfect game broken up. On the race side, have a pitching staff so in a great game. Hey, we're going to shift over the ninth inning all the way to the left side. Guy gets a rinky-dink base hit to the right side, and you get burnt. Yeah. Not only that, but it, it, it's, it hurts you more often than not. You have a double play – Double play ball up the middle. Boom. Guy should be there. Nope. They're on the other side of the field. Especially too. Go now you be the advocate for the hitter. Guy should be rewarded for hitting the baseball up the middle of the field. Yeah. You're taught from a young age to hit the ball back up the middle, back through the pitcher. And guys that are playing the rover position right behind second base. I've seen guys hit a screaming line shot up the middle. That's a base hit 10 times out of 10. Cool. And there's a and there's a guy that's right there. It's either caught. Or it's a ground ball, throw it to first base, and you're like, wow, that hitter just got jammed because a guy's playing a position he's not. And then you have five outfielders, guy hits a ball in the gap, and a guy's sitting there right there, boom. Okay, you can position your outfielders left or right, but make that outfielder make that route and make that catch. That's part of the game. And I get, you know, oh, you can't tell a player where to play his position, but you're really skewing the game in, in, a, in a way where – you want more offense, but you got seven infielders playing on the infield on a guy that he's not going to get that through if he's a ground ball type hitter, pitch to hit to contact and try to beat a ball out. So I think it's great. Guys are going to have to get used to it, make the adjustment like pitchers are with the with their pitch counts or the pitch clocks, excuse yeah. me. So I'm all for it, and I'm seeing pitchers on Twitter. Trevor Bauer has been going off on my, on my Twitter feed about – He's like, well, you know, I guess when we strike a hitter out now, well, they get the ball and they can throw it wherever they want and run to first base. I'm like, dude, you're really dude. just – you're. this has nothing to do with the rule. We're, we're trying to make the game fair for both sides. And yeah. you can say the same thing for the pitchers. Pitchers get burnt left and right when they have guys on the left side and they make a great execution pitch and they get a, a nubbed hit to the right side like I mentioned earlier. So it, it goes both ways and you have to see it that way and once it gets implemented you'll both sides will see it and hitters will will love it when they're getting base hits and rewarded for great great execution so i I, i'm a big believer in that as well i I will say though the the pitchers that will be affected by this are the ones that that kind of like kyle hendricks don't throw that hard and all their pitchers are, are designed to be hit into the shift on the ground like kyle hendricks is a ground ball pitcher so he's going in there trying to throw those sinkers to get those ground balls to short right field, he might be screwed now. Yeah. And from experience too, like in high school, we would go out and travel and, and my outfielders, my coach would always would shift guys far over when he knew we'd be pitching to certain locations. And I didn't throw the ball hard at all. I pitched to contact. And for a guy like myself, if you can't shift the outfielders over, that would have hurt me more times than not. And like I said, a guy like Hendricks who, prides himself on, I'm going to pitch to contact. I don't throw very hard. I get guys to miss the, the center of the bat and they can't sweeten it up. It'll be interesting to see guys like that. How do they get affected with guys be having to play straight up versus, hey, I can move my center fielder over all the way to right field, move my left fielder over, and now that whole left side's exposed is, isn't exposed. So it, it'll be it'll definitely be a, a dynamic that's – to keep an eye on, especially for me being a pitcher, will uh, will be fun to watch um, 
to see how guys make that adjustment um, going forward and being successful. You know, I totally agree. And uh, back on Twitter here is that now there's some clarity on this whole draft tie-up. So Evan Drellich tweets out the most significant issue remaining in talks, although not the only, is said to be direct draft pick compensation, the elimination of the qualifying offer, which that was, I mean, I hated that stuff. Uh, the, the players want it. MLB has proposed it. So they agreed on eliminating the qualifying offer. But now baseball is trying to tie that to the international draft, of course. So that, that's mm. what they do. You want this, do this too. And that's where we're at. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with, with this whole CBA agreement, it's now one side tries to bite off more than they can chew. Um, and with this international draft, so run that through me one more time. So with it the, says, with the internationals. So it says the most significant issue remaining in talks, although not the only, is said to be direct draft pick compensation, the elimination of the qualifying offer. Mm. The players want it. MLB has proposed it, but MLB wants the international draft, which is no small matter slash give. So there's no qualifying offers anymore, which they're eliminating then. Right. So they're saying if you want the qualifying offer gone, you also have to agree to the international draft. Okay. Well, I mean, then that make that kind of forces the hand then. So yeah. I think you then you it kind of forces, you know, hey, this is this is the groundworks. There's no give way to it. Hey, no, I there's there's nothing wrong that in that agreement. I mean, that kind of I agree. That makes it that makes it a ton, it makes it way you know, cut and dry for, for an agreement to be made here. So no, I, I, that's, there's no issues there for me. Yeah, no, true. And, you know, they're already changing the draft. I think they're doing a draft lottery, uh, which is, you know, interesting. I mean, that's what the NBA, the NHL does. Uh, I guess it helps, you know, cause you won't have all the bad teams saying we want the most losses anymore. Uh, cause that's been a big issue, but what I hope, and this hasn't been talked about very much is what are they going to do with the tanking situation? Are they going to actually address it and say, you know, because what the Yankees have been doing, and, you know, I'm not saying take pity on the Yankees, but mm -hmm. when they go over the tax and the Dodgers too, and all these high spending teams, they'll send it to the pirates and the owners, instead of paying players with it, they'll just pocket it. And that, you know, so that's wrong, you know, just because it's coming from the big teams and, Oh, it's not a big deal for them it is because it's intended to make those teams better. And again, it's about the spirit of the law. They got to change that too. Oh yeah. I completely agree. It's like the, the tanking situation has been, it's been awful in baseball for a long time. You get a team that starts out the gate, you know, 15, 20 under 500, they're throwing the towel in They're They're calling guys up, they're shipping guys away. And that team is not competitive anymore. You watch a, uh, throw an example out there at the Red Sox and, Diamondbacks or Red Sox Orioles and those are free wins and that's 18 games out of the season where okay you can't have that the integrity of the game is it's being skewed and like you said teams that are more profitable and they're giving that money to to teams that don't nearly have as much they're pocketing it they're not using it to make their teams better which how do you enforce it I don't know how you can really the logistics of it uh that'll be a, a an issue down the road, but you, I would like to see teams be more competitive and, and a better parody of the game. Like I always refer it back to the NHL. You look at the bottom teams in the, in the league there, they're always competitive night in and night out. They're trying to make their teams better. They're, they're always refining their tools and their assets. And in a year or two, they're better. 
Now you look okay. at the MLB, on the contrary, the Orioles have been bad for the last four or five years, and they haven't got a slew better. And yeah. the Diamondbacks, same way. They sign a couple guys, then they're still at that bottom tier, and they give them right away. Yep. So how do you enforce this change, and how do you make those teams not do that? How do you Can you penalize them? I don't know how you can penalize them with, with them being already as bad as they are. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, you can penalize the owners, um, the people that, you know, it'll affect their pockets. So um, there's things to look at there for sure. Yeah, no. And, and again, that's another thing that will improve with the 28 rule that the Orioles didn't even call up Adley <laughs> Rushman this year. Their number one pro like you're down that bad and you can't call up your number one guy like that, that will change. So you, you'll at least if you're in a losing season, okay, we're trying to put our prospects out there and trying to win instead of throwing out some veteran that's just there for one year. And so, you know, hopefully that changes, but the last thing that is definitely, so there, I'll, I'll bring up this first robot umps. I, I don't know if that's official for 23, but it's something that's being talked about. Is it time for that? It's this, this is the touchy one for me. Yeah. Um, you texted me the other night asking if I would, you know, was in favor against it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, what happened? I throw the situation. What happens if you're in a game seven situation and it's three, two bases loaded, throwing out a crazy scenario and you get that pitch on the black and that robot ump calls it a ball. When a human umpire, maybe you've been dotting the zone up, calls out a strike. I just don't think you can take that human touch away from the game because I always look at, yeah, umpires will have their bad games. It's They have their fair share. They have some brutal moments. But 99.8% of the time, they're right. You go to replay review when there's a, a runner out of, out or safe at first base, half, more, nine times out of ten, they're right. I mean, there's a call maybe that's egregious every now and then. But you got to, I think, keep that you know aspect in the game because the players do have the ability to talk to them. As a pitcher, you're getting squeezed after the first inning. You walk off the mound and you go, hey, like, where were those pitches? Hey, like, what are you seeing there? The next inning, you'll get that giveaway. You'll get the two or three inches that you weren't getting that first inning. So with the robot umps, you don't get that human touch. And I think you have to keep, um, you know, those officials out there, those umpires out in that game because it, it keeps the, the sanity of the game because when yeah. things start going sideways, you have six or seven umpires out there to kind of converse in between innings and go, hey, what are you seeing out there at first base? What are you seeing there at third base behind the plate? And you converse and you, and you make adjustments. So I think you can't make that move yet to robot umpires, even though uh, people have been calling on for the last couple of years, because I get it. You watch a game and, you know, like an Angel Hernandez, and it's like, well, shit, what are you doing out there, man? It's like, yeah. well, make, hold them accountable. If, if they're exactly. making such bad calls, pull them out, make them go back to they umpires go to school during the offseason. They're they are constantly studying training for their season. So if you see somebody that's, calling a horrible game, you suspend them for the next series and you make them go back and you make them watch film and make an adjustment. So it's a simple fix without having to go to that robotic umpire style. Yeah, I agree, man. You know, like there's the side that like, I just looked at a stat in 2018, there were 34,294 ball strike calls that were missed. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I think about, it, I'm like, if you ask me in July, I'll probably be like, you know, fuck these umpires, you know, I, 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 you know, last night the Yankees got rung up on a B at blah, blah, blah. 
but at the same you love that about bit like you love being like what the hell was that called like that's all sports and you're kind of taking mm-hmm. that away like it, it's almost you, you love what you hate sometimes yeah and so like that's kind of an example of this um we'll see if it gets passed i mean i i don't know like I, i'm definitely on the fence with it and i i'm on more so the side of keep it because as much as you, you're watching every night and you're like these guys man but it's like it's part of the game and it always has been you're right about the adjustments that if a guy is aiming for that outside corner as a strategy and this robot strike zone says no you can't do that that's kind of messed up like that that's a little messed up so i don't know we'll see what happens but uh yeah that's all we can really say about it right now because it's not it's one of those things that's not officially agreed to we'll see uh also it's not officially agreed to we know that we're getting playoff expansion we don't know if it's going to be 12 or 14 it better not be 14 i do not like sports that have half the league make it uh the nba right now i think it's like 20 out of 30 if you include the play that's like that's not even the playoffs it's not a reward so Mm -hmm. 12 even is a lot it's more but 12 is fine i mean that's six out of 15 per league that's not too bad um so i'm fine with it especially you know you look at the american league last year you have the blue jays and the mariners two teams that yeah they could have went in there but then Mm -hmm. you look at the nl the reds and phillies were 500 uh but if you put the phillies in a three-game set and you have nola zach wheeler and, and that's still and bryce harper that's dangerous so i like it personally if it's 12 14 i don't want it yeah, I completely agree. 14 is way too much. Yeah, it doesn't create that incentive to play 162, grind, you know, grind your ass off, and you get a team that's, okay, you're 500 or below 500. Now you get a three-game set, and let's say you have two good pitchers that can go out there like a Scherzer or a, a Kershaw can, can throw you a gem. Now the other team that's 20 games above 500 and – how do you justify that they got rewarded for being in the playoffs and then they just got they just got jammed on a team that has a good, good staff and just maybe hit their stride the last 15 20 games and now they're playing red hot going into this expanded postseason so i think 12 is the perfect amount um you throw it back to 2020 when they had those three game sets um yeah. for the COVID season and i thought it was the best it was really good baseball and i don't think there were any upsets maybe one um that was thrown out there wasn't but it the Marlins? The Marlins beat the Cubs. The Marlins. Yeah. The Marlins beat the Cubs. And that was exciting. And CJ was like, oh, I love baseball. Like, this is this is great. It, it, it creates a dynamic where you maybe get one or two teams that you don't necessarily see in the postseason every year. But it gives a different fan base that opportunity to experience that postseason baseball. And I say it's the best feeling ever when your team's in it. And to watch meaningful baseball that every pitch counts, every hit counts. And it's just – it's a different type of, uh, of a game. So um, I think it's a – great opportunity to showcase more teams in in the league and and it creates more interest from different fan bases that aren't necessarily there every single year so um i'm all for it it's the it's the the right amount of teams uh, without making a a participation trophy now yeah exactly and as far as improving on the last format i think there's two key things number one uh if you lose in the wild card game and you're the road team you don't get a home playoff game after you played 162 so i think Everyone that makes the playoffs getting a home game is a good thing. And now we won't have to deal with that one division that has two teams that have a hundred wins. And mm-hmm. one of them has a one game playoff that had to end too. like, and it's funny because before the season we were like, 
man, it's going to be Dodgers Padres and the Padres are going to be in that wild card. And then they were like the eighth team out. They wouldn't have even been in the yeah. sixth team. So it's crazy. But yeah, that had to stop the one game playoff too. And yeah, you look at our division last year, you look at the Yankees Red Sox race, three top tier teams that had legitimate world series hopes. And obviously you had Red Sox Yankees in the wild card game amazing game both great teams i would love to see a three game set there and, and have them battle it out and then you had the red sox go on and play the rays in the next series and we all know how that ended the red sox ended up taking care of the rays in short order and they moved on so you had three great you know american league teams that got axed in the first you know week of of postseason baseball so trying to eliminate that would be would be huge and hopefully this it, it will um, filter out those teams that should be there in the, the CS series um, and have aspirations for the World Series uh, title. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, checking one last time before we sign off here, if there's anything here. And it doesn't seem like there's any more updates right now. This is going to be an all-day thing. They're going to put, if they're, if they're saying Wednesday's the deadline, they'll go up right to that last hour. We'll hear reports. Uh, but again, like if it actually is this one last issue, it's got to get done today or tomorrow or they've got a massive issue on their hands. So mm-hmm. we will see. And uh, before you go, Steve, uh, we're going to segue into this segment with CJ about the NHL and the NFL. Um, so quick NHL takes, NFL takes before you go. We'll send it off to yeah. CJ later. Yeah, uh, the NHL has been uh, it's been exciting. Uh, it's it's a sick league this year. I mean, especially in the East, you got the Panthers uh, in that one seed lightning around their tail. I mean, you go down one through eight and each team in the East can win. Uh, you look at the Rangers having a great year. Uh, Igor Shesterkin, I think he'll be the Vesna Trophy winner. Um, we talked a little bit last time about the Rangers. They have the makings to win the Stanley Cup this year. They have the grit. They have the toughness. Went out and got Reeves and Goodrow. And they had the defense. They had the caliber, the scoring to do it. It's just how does that team translate to the postseason? Um, you look at Boston, they're playing a lot better hockey. Um, it's, it's exciting. We have about a month and change here before we get to um, some exciting postseason playoff hockey. Um, I can't wait. I, I think the Lightning have a they're, – they're poised to, to do it again. But you mentioned last night they're much, they're much more beatable um, with a little bit lack of depth than they had the last two years. But um, – it's exciting. I, I can't wait for it. Um, and the Panthers, I'll say this. They go as far as Sergei Bobrovsky will take them. And that's that team is sick. They can score a ton of goals. They're scary as shit to watch. They shoot the puck from every angle. They can score. They can throw seven, eight goals on you a night. But if you don't have that, that backbone in the net, they will go as far as that guy will take them. And that's my thing on the East. I think they they can legit win the Stanley Cup. They can go out and make a run if their goaltending will let them. So um, a long way to go here for the NHL. Um, haven't really been following the West Coast a ton. I know the Avs are they're on a tear, forty-one and twelve, um, primed and poised to win the President's Trophy again, which they can take that all they want. Yep. And it's it's just a curse in itself. Uh, Calgary playing lights out as well. Um, you know. There's a ton of and, teams. And in the Markstrom mix. can carry them. He's been really great. Oh yeah, too. yeah. And uh, you guys know um, from the past, I hate the Vegas Golden Knights. I am rooting for their demise. They are only they're only four points ahead of the last playoff spot. So there's a legit chance they could um, 
missed the postseason for the first time in their franchise history. So oh, fingers man. crossed. Hopefully oh, they man. miss it. With Jack Eichel. Yeah, and their fans will dissipate. They'll not show up anymore. So my God. Um, we'll see. And uh NFL news. Uh Aaron Rodgers and Russ. That was crazy. Four year, two hundred million dollars. Break the bank for uh, the Packers over there. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, look, I mean, Rogers said that's not the number or something like that. He was like, oh, that's not the exact con. He's still getting a bag. And uh, he, he's smart for doing it. I said it on last week's pod. You're going to the AFC West. You're going to be in that division. Russell Wilson's like, hey, I don't care. I knew Rogers would kind of be the guy because R- Wilson's always played in a division with multiple playoff teams in mm-hmm. it. Rogers is like, I want my ticket in the NFC North. He can punch it right now. You can probably punch the number one seat again. So it's just, it's the smart move for him. For Russ, though, I mean, obviously the Broncos are going to be a better football team. I don't think they win the division still. I think they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. But that gauntlet out there, I, it was funny. I was watching Cowherd yesterday, and he was like, we've got a problem over here at Fox carrying the NFC because we only have Rodgers and Stafford and Kyler Murray. And like mm-hmm. and outside of that, Brady and Breeze are gone. It You know, Wilson's gone. So that's NFC's lacking. Yeah, the NFC's it's now you look at it, it's almost a two team race. You have the Rams and the Packers uh, again. Um, it, it's sad to see the it, the NFC get weakened because there's really no quarterback play there. And Kyler Murray hasn't really proved he can be that postseason no. quarterback yet. And he same gets with Dak. Yeah, they both get in the playoffs and they get mollywopped in the first round. <laughs> and you go, Well, we're not going to pay you all this money if you can't win the games when it matters. Um, so Russ leaving the, 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 the NFC hurts that this side's caliber, but geez, I mean, you look at that division, like you mentioned, uh, you Mahomes, Herbert Carr. I mean, you go down the list there. It's, those are four good football teams that <clears throat> it'll be just a bear to play divisional play there. Um, don't know if, if the Broncos have necessarily title aspirations, but it, they're a much better postseason team with Russell Wilson, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, they they had it. They had a chance to, to take down the Chiefs last year if they had, you know, a, a remotely competent quarterback back there that can make the throws and kind of manage the game in a better way. So they are a better football team with him. But how far can they go with Russell Wilson if he plays consistent throughout 16 games or well, 17 games? in the postseason. So we'll see. Uh, we're early into the NFL post uh, offseason. Uh, draft will be here in what, a month just about? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's close. And free agency opens up soon. So that'll be yeah. fun. And uh, I mean, uh, we never got your take on it, though. I mean, Brady retired. You're a Bucks fan. They have an open slot. I've been open about it. And I was like, if you go get a quarterback that's not upper echelon, it's kind of a slap in the face to the fan base. Yeah, I mean, it sucks because you went out and you got all these big fish in, in the offseason two years ago. Brady, you got JPP and all these Sue guys. And, yeah. Sue, Gronkowski. And it's, I think a lot of people down here took it for granted. Um, I, I certainly didn't because losing football for my whole life, really, other than 08. And you got a championship run in the first year with Brady. Last year, you were one stop away from forcing overtime to the world champs Rams. And, you know, if you beat the Rams, I think you win the super, I think they go back to back, but, uh, oh, yeah. you know, flash forward now it, it's, it, it hurts a little bit, but, you know, extremely grateful to, to witness a, a super bowl title that I didn't think was going to come for 
probably 20 years, um, if we're being completely honest. But uh, yeah, there, there's some quarterbacks on the market, but um, I think it trends towards a uh, Kyle Trask starting for the Buccaneers and maybe try to build up around him, which I'm not opposed to. I think, you know, you give him a shot, uh, maybe go sign, go get a Garoppolo and and have him play. If it doesn't pan out, then you put in Trask. I, it, it's, it's, it's just a weird, like, weird to me, like, yeah, like I don't see the Niners trading him to the NF to the Bucks, making yeah. them a playoff team with Jimmy G. Like, so I don't know. I mean, I you know, I feel I said I don't know if Tampa would do it. I feel like they're one of the teams though that would go for Deshaun. Yeah, that's it too. I, I completely missed that. Uh if if the legality, the legal stuff works out, I think you have to go get him. I, I think to. you give up the, the picks and you give the draft picks up to go get him because that's a generational type talent. And yeah, yes, he was one year removed from playing, but that guy can run. He can throw the football at a high level. And he just has such a good football IQ that that's a quarterback you could have for, that's a franchise quarterback. Yeah. And I will take him all day. If we have to give up a couple assets to be in contention, to be in the playoffs the next four or five years. So um, if there's a, if it's viable for them and, Bruce Arian said it, it, this is more of a franchise sign-off to go get the quarterback. It's not my decision. It's up to the Glaziers and their reputation. If all the legal stuff pans out, if the family says, hey, go sign them, here's the money, and the and you can, here's the okay, I think you have to go get them because there's not many quarterbacks in the market, especially in the draft. There's very, very few quarterbacks to go get other than Kenny Pickett that are out there for the Buccaneers to go hey, this is our quarterback for the future. Yeah, you want those hands, though? Yeah, those tiny hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said the same thing about Joe Burrow, though, and he, uh, hey, we, we saw how that ended. Uh, well, how that started and was one one minute away from a Super Bowl title. So, yeah, you know. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we went we went so long on this part of the podcast that I think no, nobody's going to listen to a two-hour pod. We're going to split these in half. And then we're going to upload them the same day. But Steve and I, this part of the pod, this is part one now. I'm making a, a, an executive decision. And then we got part two coming out uh, in, uh, at the same time with CJ. So split those guys uh, uh, up for sure. And uh, yeah, so that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, NHL trade deadline, March 21st. So that's going to be a big deal in a, like 10, 11 days. Again, if the lockout happens, uh, if they actually agree to this, might have to do a little amendment to the pod as well. So we'll see, uh, but we're rooting for it. We need baseball back for sure. Um, so, yeah. And then also shout out to FAU baseball for the nine to eight walk-off win against Michigan. They beat Minnesota three out of four. Um, and this is the last point I'll make. It's the same thing every year, Steve, from going there, it's the pitching and, and there it's just, it's just not there. I think for a long run, it always crumbles at the end. Mm. The hitting's there though. Yep, they're they're a great baseball team. I mean, they 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 will go as far as their pitching will take them. And I've said the last, you know, when we were there, um, calling games for a couple of years, and I I was there four years, watched a great baseball team. But like you mentioned, it crumbles up the end just because the lack of the pitching depth when they go and face a top t- caliber team like Florida, Florida State, um, Ole yeah. Miss, and, and half the roster is is overhauled too. It's a exactly big difference. yeah yeah. So it's. Hopefully they figure it out. Coach McCormick said, you know, if we can, we start grinding games out and playing the right way, we have a great chance to go deep. So 
Um, still early in the season, a long way to go. Hopefully they figure out the pitching side, but uh, that team can hit the baseball. Um, shout out to Gabriel Conus. Went to high school with him, uh, played a couple years at Plant. Um, he's a stud, and he's he's got, I think, six or seven homers already this year. And um, had the, he hit the walk-off um, when you were yeah. calling it that 98 victory. So that was pretty yeah. cool to see um, him pull that one off. So, um, yeah, rooting for FAU baseball. Um, before we know it, we'll be in uh, with uh, FAU football starting spring football around the corner here and exciting time. Um, so hopefully FAU can figure it out on baseball side and maybe get a, just somehow maybe get a deep uh, super regional run. So we'll see long way to go. We will see. And uh, probably no shot. He actually listens to this, but Gabriel Rincones, I made a comment in earlier in the game where he got the walk off. He, he had a swing, he missed, but his head was, you know, flying out to right field, his hip wide. And I'm like, you know, he, he looked like he really wanted to pull that later in the game. He goes double left center line drive screamer. And I'm like, uh, I take, and it was off a lefty. And I'm like, okay, I take that back. He's not trying to pull it every time. Okay. Like, I hope you didn't hear that, but dude, I mean, he's got a beautiful swing. Oh yeah. Just a great talent. And in, in high school, I mean, he had the power and the, and the raw talent to do it. Once he got the reps, he just, he just took off and um, he's a guy, he, he's grinded, man. He, you know, worked his ass off in high school, got to, uh, he went to Juco over at uh, St. Pete college. And, and now he's finally gets the opportunity at the D one level. So um, happy for him. Happy to see them that he's doing well and, and, you know, providing a great uh, offensive tool to the team um, as a whole. So um, best of luck for FAU baseball um, the rest of the year. And hopefully we can cover um, on the next few pods of uh, give an update on, on how they're doing and, you know, really, really hope they do uh, well this rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you guys can follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P on Instagram and Facebook at Strictly Sports Productions. Uh, we're not doing YouTube right now. We'll get back to it eventually. Um, we also actually just started a website on Podbean. The link is in the description below. We're going to start posting articles. We'll also have the ability to do live stream podcasts, uh, which I think is an interesting idea. Maybe we'll get some people in the chat, answer some questions and stuff like that. Uh, so that'll get started up soon. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Part two, probably already out at this point uh, with CJ Uri talking about the NFL NHL. Go listen to that. And we'll be back next week as well. Baseball, come back. All right. So that'll be it. I'm Jacob Brown. That's Steve Cashin. And we'll see you next week.